All right. You want to grab a seat again? That would be fantastic. Is it uh, is it just me, or did like summer came on the twenty first, and it's like someone flipped the switch, and summer came? Isn't that crazy how it's been like that? Really cool, really cool. By the way, so next week we got all these things going on: a wedding blessing for Brian and Mabel. Uh, we're going to be celebrating our Canada's 150th birthday. We'll pray together. We're going to be asking the question, what does it look like to love our nation? Uh, wrapping up our neighbor series then. But uh, I think it's going to be a, a great Sunday and, and hot dogs to boot uh, after the service. So uh, looking forward to what we'll, we'll ha- celebrating Canada's birthday next week together. Um, I've got a question that I just about ask everyone individually, eventually. Like eventually, I'll, if, you, if you hang around me long enough, I will likely ask you this question. Some of you, I've asked this question of you before. It's not really a deep question, but I'm always curious about what the answer to this question is gonna be. It goes something like this. If you were sitting on death row, what would your last meal be? Like if you, if you got to choose, you got to choose, what would you wanna eat if you were sitting on death row, what would that food be? So why don't you turn to a neighbor near you and answer, just take a moment, and, and between two or three of you, share what you think your last meal, supper meal would be, okay? Let's go. All right. Let me uh, let me hear you shout out a couple uh, examples. Anybody? Curry. What? Let, just just shout out. Roast potatoes. Like your mom's roast potatoes. Any, that sounds good. Your mom. Very specific. Anybody else? Hot dog, hot dog. Brian, that's a profound lack of imagination on your part. It, it's a, it, you heard hot dogs, it's like, yeah, I guess like hot dogs would be okay. Not that mechanically end or separated, you know, whatever meat, you know? Oh, don't judge, okay. Anybody else? A, a bowl of life cereal. Hey, Mikey, he likes it. Uh, wow, yeah, that's awesome. Anybody else? Meatloaf, potatoes, and gravy. Oh, I'm sure all of you can answer this question. You, you, you kind of know what your favorite meal would be. I, I think mine would be, uh, I'm torn between two things. Um, medium rare steak with baby potatoes. Like I wouldn't just have roast potatoes by themselves. I'd, you know, you'd be a steak with yours as well? Yeah, of course. And, and then I would have uh, perfectly not overcooked asparagus as well, you know, with a little bit of garlic on it. And then um, the other choice, which is maybe, they're competing pretty tough, they're head to head here, it would be uh, an Indian dish called dosa. Anyone know what dosa is? Uh, I, uh, 
I've almost pulled off the road when I've seen a dosa sign before. I love dosa so much. It's a kind of an Indian pancake, thin, thin pancake that can be crispy or soft, and it's got curry in the middle, and uh, eggplant curry or chicken curry in there. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's what I would have, I think. And uh, I've been asking this question, actually, to a lot of people, and I, it's actually a fairly good icebreaker. Usually, people get talking, but I think it's not actually the optimal meal. A, you're on death row. I, I don't know if I'd be that hungry. <laughs> I think I might be just a little bit distracted. I'd have other things on my mind. B, you're eating it alone. And, and when I think about it, I think um, the best meals I've ever had, a lot of it had to do with the people I was eating it with, whether it be a, a good friend, even with a stranger sometimes. It adds... The community can add flavor to whatever good food we like. The right company, the right kind of connect connection with others can transform an, an ordinary meal into an extraordinary meal, can it? It, it really can. Did you know that uh, sharing a, a meal at a table is, is exclusively a human thing to do? I mean, no other creature on the planet eats meals at a table. Um, and sharing tables, sharing food with others reminds us, I think, that there's more to eating food, that food than just providing fuel for your bodies or pleasure for your tongue. There's more to it. And, and so we shouldn't be surprised that when throughout the Bible, God has a way of showing up at tables, at meals. And in fact, it's worth noting that at the center of, of the spirituality of, of God's people, the, the lives of God's people in both the Old and New Testaments, there's a table, the table of Passover, and the table of, of communion. I, I mean, when Jesus wanted to, to encourage us to remember the great sacrifice he made on the cross, he, he actually didn't tell us that you should go out and buy, you know, little imitation crosses that we wear around, around our necks, uh, jewelry, uh, even though that might be a very good thing. He didn't ask us to, to carry nails around in our pockets so that we would remember his crucifixion. Instead, he, he invoked a meal. It was at this Last Supper where he said, uh, eat and drink and remember me. Um, a supper that, that today is remembered in millions and millions of churches around the world. And one of the pictures uh, Jesus used in trying to explain what the kingdom of God was like, he often compared it to a banquet, to a table, to a feast. Uh, in, in Luke 15, uh, Luke 14, 15, it says, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And then this is one of my favorite passages, Isaiah 55, where it says, come, you who are hungry, you who are thirsty, come buy and eat. Don't spend your money on what not, is not bread. And he says, come to me and your soul will delight in what? The richest of fare, the richest of fare. Uh, we're, we're really close to wrapping up. We're going to do this next week, but our series on neighbors where we're, we're asking the question, what would it look like if we lived this, what, what Jesus called the second most important commandment, loving our neighbors as ourselves? And we thought about how Jesus, his desire is that we don't just gra gather as, as Christians in a holy huddle. He sends us out into the world. You know, he, he gives us a, a mission in, in, into our neighborhoods. What might that look like? Well, well this morning we're going to
talk about or think about how a table might be at the center of that mission. In fact, three tables we're going to look at. And what I want to briefly unpack this morning was inspired by a pastor friend of mine in, in Gormley, Ontario, and, and the book by David Fitch called Faithful Presence. And it's asking the question, how do we extend the, the kingdom of God? How do we demonstrate and proclaim that Jesus and his love and, and make it real to those who are around us? You might remember that Jesus, just before he ascended into heaven, he gave the disciples what we call the, the Great Commission. Do you remember that? Um, in, in, in propelling, as I said, the, the disciples onto mission into the world. We have it recorded in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And you can't miss this part. This, this great commission ends with a promise. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, Jesus, he sent his disciples into the world, but Jesus also goes with his disciples into the world. Um, don't you just love the word with? Do you like that word? With? I mean, just like food with others is better, life with God is better. <laughs> life with God is, is, is better than how we're, if we're doing it on our own. And yet I, I suspect that one of the greatest temptations of our day is, is what you might call, at least in the greater Vancouver area, is DIY spirituality. Do it yourself. And, and we can see all kinds of expressions of how we try to kind of make our way in terms of our, our Christian faith. We try to forge our own path. We try to make it up as we go along. And, and how's that work? <laughs> how, how, do we find where we're going? As, as Angel was sharing, life doesn't make sense without the blueprint and without the proper destiny in mind. And that's, that's where Jesus invites us into that. And, 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 and we see time and time again in, in the Christian church, people who actually try to go and do what Jesus invites us to do in the world, but do it without Jesus. <laughs> it, it's kind of ironic. And God, he's, he's already present everywhere in the world. He's, you, you bump into God everywhere. We, we know he's there, but we also know that he becomes visibly present through us. We're the extension of Christ's presence in the world. So, so what are we called to do? We're called to love our neighbors by bringing Jesus' presence to our neighborhoods. And, and we do this, to do this, we occupy three, three places, three spaces around three tables. These tables where we experience God's nearness and God's kindness and his love. Now the first table, no surprise, it is this table. The Lord's table. And thanks again to those who lav lavishly laid out this, this amazing, amazing feast before us for the senses. But it's what we've come to call the Lord's Supper. Before we go anywhere on mission to the world, we need to sit around this table. At, at this table, we're actually just guests. <laughs> and Jesus is the host. And, and Jesus, he's at the center of this table. Here, Theologians tell us that, that the presence of Jesus is felt almost like nowhere else. We encounter his presence. This, is, this table is all about presence, God's presence, Jesus' presence. And this, 
This table is meant to shape us and, 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 and feed us like no other table. Um, you remember that uh, story in Luke 24. I l- love that story where uh, two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus and a stranger joins them. We, we know that the stranger is Jesus, yet they don't know it's Jesus. And they're talking along. They invite Jesus home for supper. And when do they recognize Jesus? I'm here, they're, they're talking to Jesus about Jesus. And they only recognize that it's Jesus when he starts breaking bread. And, and we find out that, that they were inviting him to dinner, but he was actually inviting them to dinner. And he was their host. Uh, I, I want to say all kinds of good things happen at this table. It's here where we pause to recenter ourselves on Christ's love, you know, to reorientate ourselves on, on where we stand in the cosmos. We're not just specks of dust. We're chosen, holy, loved by God. We consider our relationship with God at this table. We ask ourselves, am I fully surrendered to Jesus? Have I, have I laid my life, is, is there areas of my life where, where I'm not free I'm bound up and, and where Jesus might want to deliver me. Augustine, many centuries ago, came up with the, the Latin phrase, Felix Cupa, which uh, means, interestingly enough, oh, happy sin. <laughs> Not an interesting phrase? But he, he used this phrase, Felix Cupa, to express the joy he felt whenever he discovered and confessed a sin in his life. Apparently, when, when Augustine was on his, his deathbed, he, he was lying there, and he actually had scribes come in and write on his ceiling above his head psalms of confession. It, kind of a, 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 on his deathbed, this is something that he wanted to do, you know? He wanted them as his last words, and he didn't see this as a kind of fear-based experience, but as a joy-filled opportunity. He welcomed Jesus to do what Jesus does best, graciously forgive sin, and gloriously save sinners. Henry Nouwen uh, said something similar. He said, in the light of God's love, we experience God saying, I love you so deeply. I want to be present to you in all your lost places so you will know not just your lostness, but also in how many places I long to find you. Isn't that great? But this table reminds us not how lost we are, but how found we are. Jesus says, I want to be present to you in your lost places. That's good news for me. I got a lot of lost places, dark corners and crannies in my life. Another special thing about this table is that we don't come to this table alone. I heard this week of a friend who sometimes practices the Lord's Supper by themselves. You know, sort of as part of their daily quiet time, they sit there with their Bible and, and occasionally they'll, they'll actually take the bread and, and take the cup. And I, I, I think that's maybe kind of a cool experience. I'm sure it, it uh, directs them Jesus' word. But it's actually not how it's meant to be. It's, it's actually designed, it's, it's communion. It's, it's communal. It's something that we do together. It's a table where we acknowledge the presence of Jesus in each other. And as we, we come to this table together, we, we're in submission both to Jesus and we're in mutual submission to one another. And, and today we'll come to this table to, to notice 
his presence in us as we, we break the bread and as we drink the cup. But he's present really not just in these elements. <laughs> he's present in each of us together by the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. Um, I want to see this is that we, uh, we really can't go on mission into the world until we've gathered at this table. This is kind of the ground zero table. This is the foundational table. This is the table that, you know, if we go on mission, if we go out on our own without first stopping at this table, we'll find whatever we do in the, in, in the world, we'll find it exhausting. <laughs> Trying to do God, God's work and without, without God with. This, this table, the church gathers at the Lord's table to encounter Jesus' presence, but, but this same church is sent out to extend his presence. It's a sending table. It's never meant to be this tight, gr- tight-knit, uh, closed group where, where we just meet and we kind of stay and it's all defined. It's always open. As a missionary church, then, we need to occupy what we might call the second table, which I'd like to, to name the, the family table. And it's all about extending Jesus' presence into our homes and into our neighborhoods and among the marginalized and among those who are hurting in our world. At the family table, we're the host. Uh, We gather at at this table together, most often in our own homes. It can be a restaurant, it can be in other places, but more likely to be in our homes. And it's in in those settings that we want to reveal God's presence. Um, A scripture that I think illustrates this is Mark chapter 6. This has become one of my favorite stories for for a lot of reasons, but we kind of know it as the feeding of the 5,000. Do you you remember that story? Just before the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus sends out the 72, or actually he sends out the 12 apostles, and the 12 apostles come back in, and, and, and trails of people are following the 12 disciples back in to where Jesus is. Jesus actually takes them to get away. They go to the other side of the lake, and they follow them, they these, these crowds make their way a- ahead of Jesus, and they're there when Jesus arrives. And we're told that, that Jesus sees their need. It's nighttime, and, and they're hungry. And what does he say to his disciples? Do you remember what he says? You give them something to eat. And at this point, we're told that the numbers are great, and, and the disciples, they first object. But Jesus wanted them to host a family table. But finally, they, they bring what they, they, they have to Jesus, what they are able to gather, a few loaves and a couple fish, a simple offering, I'd say, which would go to show the abundance of, of the kingdom provision, that, that God can do amazing things with little. <laughs> you bring what you have, Jesus says, and I'll multiply it. And I, I think this story illustrates how the family table extends the presence of Jesus to where others are invited. We, we don't control the table. We just facilitate the table around the presence of Jesus. Jesus is still at the center. We're just opening a space for, for Jesus not only to meet our needs, but also to meet the needs of others. Practically, you know, and when you practice hospitality, uh, I, I think a lot of the genius of it is in the warmth of relationship. That kind of, I, I, isn't it true again? Somehow, sitting at a table, looking eye to eye, sharing food together, sharing drink together, there's this warmth of relationship and fellowship that happens. 
And, and we can introduce Jesus in, in real simple ways. I mean, I, I know a friend who practices communion at every table, their family table, but uh, in terms of welcoming others in, you can pray. Invoke Jesus' presence. Say, if you're not accustomed to saying thanks for your food, when you have guests, that's a great time to pray and, and give thanks for your food. Um, it, it's a great time to pray. Angel and I, before we have any guests that come to our home, we pray, Lord, help us to be a blessing to these people. Use us to be an encouragement. Use us to point them to you, Jesus. And, th- and then we also pray, we, we, we have repeatedly prayed, we did this when we bought our house, but we've said, Lord, fill this home, fill this space with your presence, that when people come to our home, they will sense it's a war- welcome and warm refuge, and they might actually sense the presence of God in this place. And if, you're not, if you haven't been praying those kind of prayers in your home, for anybody that comes, I encourage you to, to pray those kind of prayers that God would make your home a welcoming environment for, for whomever, people in our community. You know, as I was uh, considering this Mark story this, this week, this Mark 6 story, I sensed Jesus wanted to challenge you with the same challenge he gave the disciples. You give them something to eat. I really sensed that. I woke up with that uh, the other morning, and it was just like, this was a word for you today. You give them something to eat. And, and you know, the disciples, their immediate response was, uh, that would take eight months' wages, God. Uh, we, we can't, that's an impossible request. How, how could we do that to, to buy them? How? And, I, and I could, even as I heard that question, I could hear some of our objections. You know, I'm, I'm not Martha Stewart. <laughs> Hospitality is not my gift. Uh, I'm an introvert. I actually don't like people. <laughs> right? Uh, I don't know how to cook. Um, they have this great thing in Canada. I don't know. Do they, they have this in every culture? It's called takeout. You know, you dial a phone and they deliver food to your doorstep. It's, it's the great, you know, that can win just about anything over. But maybe you're going, I can barely afford to feed my own family, let alone feed guests. You don't want to be charging admission when they come to your door. That would not probably go over that well. And yet I still sense Jesus inviting you to step out in faith, to open up your family table, that that, that Jesus would do something like we see him doing in the feeding of the 5,000, that he would take what you have. I I mean, maybe all you're seeing is the limitations and your incompetency, your, your, your lack of competence in this, and you can only see that, and, and Jesus says, give me what you got. And we see the transforming presence of when Jesus is invited in, how he can take the little we have and transform it into a feast that feeds the multitudes. And I, I, I just envisioned, I, I just had a picture this week of, of seeing families in this church situated in all different neighborhoods who, who began to step out in this and experiment with this and get creative with this and seeing people blessed and discovering the presence of Jesus through us, through our hospitality. I envision us doing this as a church where our elders have, have just, I think, decided this last week or so that we're going to put on the Alpha Course, which is uh, an introduction to the Christian faith, but we're actually going to do it differently than we've done it before. 
we're going to have a class here at the church, but we're going to do the Alpha class in, in various small groups in the church. Some of our small groups will do the Alpha class. Uh, we had a small group that did it this last spring as kind of an experiment, and it was exceptional. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to do that, but the vision is, is that we would be inviting people into our, our church building, but also into our homes, into our small groups, and they could join us on this discovery of Jesus. Leads us to the third table. Third table is what you might call the community table, and, and it's a place to bless and proclaim the kingdom of God in our city and beyond. The, the community table is where, where the hurting and the broken live their everyday lives. And we see Jesus sitting at the community table. You remember uh, what the religious leaders accused Jesus of? Eating with, with who? Yeah, sinners. Uh, in, in, in fact, uh, Jesus broke all the rules when it, became, it came to being a, a good Jew in his culture in terms of who he ate with. He, he ate with all the wrong people. We see him eating with tax collectors like Levi and with Zacchaeus, and, and for the most part, they invited him into their home, into their space. We see this. this they said, Jesus, we come to our home for a meal. And Jesus went... In their turf. And, and i got to say this, at the community table, we're not the hosts. We're the guests. At this table, we submit ourselves. We, we come quite humbly because we're submitting ourselves to their hospitality. And, and, and it's an uncomfortable space to go in sometimes. But we enter their space as they invite us. We do this, though, with Jesus, in, in, allowing Jesus to work in and through us. At, at the community table, we simply vulnerably sit with our friends seeking to pay attention to where is Jesus here, listening, attentive to where is God already present, where is he already working in this situation. What might the community table look like for you? It might mean the, the community table of your hockey team or your kid's soccer team the table of your political party. It could be the table of your community center, the table of, of your fitness club or your book reading club or, or the chamber of commerce or, or the lion's club. This table, I gotta say, is not always comfortable, but Jesus is present there too. And at this table, you're gonna find atheists and agnostics. You're gonna find religious folk. You're gonna find crooks and entrepreneurs. This is a, a table where you will even find honest and decent people who are fed up with the church and with Christians. I, I love another passage in Luke, Luke, Luke 10, where Jesus sends out the 72 of his disciples on mission again to every town and place where he himself intended to go. And he instructs them to enter a home and become present there, sitting around the table, eating and drinking whatever they provide. And, and we're told they're, they're to take no no clothes, no money, no, go, it's a, no extra clothes. You are supposed to go clothed. Just a, just a thought there. Um, go needy and be present as guests and be vulnerable. Listen to what Jesus says. Like lambs into the middle of wolves. It can be a dangerous place. Giving up control. They're to, they're to take a, a posture of receiving, not offering anything. 
And in these spaces, in these tables around sinners, spaces opened up for Jesus to be known. Um, a few months ago, on January 29th, in Quebec City, uh, a gunman walked into a Islamic cultural center and opened fire and killed six individuals and, and injured 19 others. A horrific day in Canada. Um, the next day, uh, one of our sister churches, my, my friend Pastor Paul from Gormley, Ontario, um, their church is situated, interestingly, right across the street from a mosque. And they heard this news and they go, if I was a, a Muslim today, I'd be horrified by what happened in Canada as a result of hatred. And so they went to a flower store and they got a big, big bouquet of flowers and Pastor Paul walked across the street to, to this mosque and he gave them this gift of flowers. And it's interesting what that's done for the relationship between this church and this mosque. And, and that led to Paul, just within days of that experience, being invited to go to the uh, Ontario legislature where he was invited to pray a prayer alongside his mother, these Muslim uh, brothers and sisters. He was invited to pray a prayer of peace to the Prince of Peace before of all, all of the Ontario government. But he was by invitation. And I think, I think that honestly, some of the very, very best things that I've seen happen in my life and I've seen happen in this church have not been our ideas. It's, it's been as we've kind of just lived and, and sought to be a faithful presence kind of church, and, and as we connect and, and build a relationship with our neighbors and the community, they begin inviting us in. I, I think of Mountain View Elementary, uh, one of the neediest schools, elementary schools in our city, and it's just a few blocks from here, and how through a, a bumping into them in a grocery store, we got invited to, to participate with them as they reach out to their they're vulnerable, at-risk kids. They, they, got, they got families that are just really hurting, a number of Syrian refugee families that, that attend that school. And, and so we found it on, on that particular, uh, with that particular group, we've been able to, to we've been invited in to, to, to provide Christmas hampers. And they said, basically, we have all kinds of opportunities here at this school if you guys want to get involved. We haven't even begun to scratch the surface on that one. They have a breakfast program. I, we, we could do a lot of great things with them, and we hope to do so, because we've been invited in. Again, I think of a, a relationship we had with one of our Tri-City mayors that has opened up the door to, to fixing up a couple refugee homes that we've, we've celebrated recently. That came because we had a relationship, and, and next thing you know, we're being invited to, to participate and do this amazing thing that in partnership with our city. How about personally? Um, about four or five years ago, uh, I met an individual, an acquaintance, who was about 79 or 80 years old at the local Starbucks. And I bumped into him pretty much every time I went in there, and we, we became friends, and, uh, or we're, we're becoming friends, when I found out that that week his, his adult daughter had died quite suddenly and tragically. And uh, I didn't know my friend very well, but I, I said, I came home and said to Angel, I said, I think, I'm, I, I feel we're supposed to go to his funeral, her funeral. And uh, we attended that funeral. It was actually, I'll, I'll always remember, that, I think, that, that, that service because it was my birthday. It was kind of a weird thing to do on your birthday. Maybe a helpful thing to do on your birthday. Go to a funeral home. 
puts life in perspective. Um, because we showed up there that day, it led to a series of invitations into their lives that we never would have expected. Uh, countless times we've been invited into their home and, and invited to dinners at pubs and, and this, this kind of gathering that I've, I've shared about before. But with this particular family, this particular couple who we attended their daughter's funeral, they've invited us, Angel and I, to speak into their lives in ways that, that we rarely, we feel so privileged to be able to, to share the good news of Jesus with them. I'd appreciate your prayers this week. They've asked me to, this was, I think, five years since their daughter died, and, and their uh, mother-in-law died just recently, and so uh, they've asked me to do a, a burial service this coming Friday, and I'd appreciate your prayers as I uh, officiate at this service with these friends who are inviting me in. And so at the community table, we sit with people around the table before we earn the right to, to speak anything about Jesus. And we sit, and we bless them, and we look for opportunities to share Jesus. I, I like what Luke 10, 8, 9, sa- where Jesus says to these same disciples, he says, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near. I love that. Don't be picky when they lay out the table. Eat what's set before you, even if it's strange. Heal the sick that are there. Be agents of healing in their brokenness and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. What a, what a powerful picture of this community table, eating alongside the, the hurting and the sinner and the, the despised and the weak. Let me just say, folks, we live in a world where people are just hungering for the presence of Jesus, longing for Jesus. And we need to go there because we, we're not going empty-handed we have Jesus to offer them. We bring Jesus with us. So if we're going to be serious about fulfilling the Great Commission, if we're going to be serious about loving our neighbors as ourselves as a church, we need to live and, and sit around these, these three tables as kind of core practices. The Lord's table is the place where we experience the, the presence and, and the love of Jesus But then God wants to extend Jesus' presence into our homes or into our circles of friendship. And and I'd say before maybe we ever invite someone to church or we ever share with them about Jesus, we maybe invite them to dinner. And then we reach beyond the community table so that we have the the opportunity to share God's heart and, and passion and great love for the last and the least and the lost and the nearly dead. And we're now going to come to the Lord's table. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. When we take communion, we remember or we bring into present Jesus, his body, his his blood, his gospel. This is my body that is for you, he says. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. In his presence at the Lord's table, we recognize and we receive the forgiveness that flows from his broken body, the renewal of all things through the cup of the new covenant relationship that we have with Jesus. Do you recognize Jesus' presence here? He is, he is here and he's not our guest. He's the host. We don't do this for, for him he puts on this meal for us.
You know, one other thing that happens in that road to Emmaus story, those two disciples that discovered Jesus at the meal, do you know what happens after? Once they recognized Jesus, they began sharing and recognizing that the presence and work of Jesus in other disciples. They, they begin to share what Jesus is doing in them, and they recognize the presence of Jesus in the meal, and they recognize the presence of Jesus in others. And as we, we share in this, this table today, I want to invite you to recognize Jesus and your fellow brother, in your fellow brother and sister as we come to this table. It reminds us that Jesus is here with us and for us. He's here to forgive us and to empower us so that we might be freed and empowered to live on mission in the world. The Lord's table is a beautiful portrait of what what Christ is all about, what the church is all about. Dinner with friends, a community of friends on mission to the world. So in just a couple moments, I'm going to invite you to come. I'd invite our servers to come now, if you, you would, please. We'll have servers on the right and the left, and if you wish for gluten-free, please just request that. We'll ask you to come down the center aisle and then and go back to your seats through the side. But let's just pause for a moment in silence. You can close your eyes or you can look up to the heavens if you like, but Jesus is here. The risen Lord is with us now. Jesus, we acknowledge you. We turn our eyes to you right in this moment. Jesus, you said to us, surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. And you said, this, this bread and this, this cup represent my body and blood given freely for you for the forgiveness of your sin that you can, you can now experience my life, my power, my freedom, Freely I've given you. Now freely give. Just as you come and, and meet me at this table, Jesus is inviting us to share the table with our world, with our friends and our family, our neighbors, with those who are, are hurting and lost and broken. Empower us, we pray, Jesus. May we meet you here today seeing Jesus in this experience and also in each other. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So come and receive the, 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 the bread. You take a piece of bread and you dip it in the cup and you can eat it there or you can eat it in your seats. Please feel free to come. The gifts of God for the people of God.